Welcome to Christ Church Cathedral on this Wednesday, November the 25th. And this evening is a special treat, a hymn festival, to celebrate the work of hymn writer Isaac Watts, a man who is uh, given a special Memorial Day in the Order of Saints and Apostles of the Anglican Church. We'll hear stories about Watts, and we will have an opportunity to sing a variety of hymns, which you will be able to join in with by reference to the service leaflet, which you will see um, on our website. So to begin, let's join in an opening prayer. Creator God, because you make all that draws forth our praise and the forms in which to express it, we, we praise, praise you. you. Because you make artists of us all, awakening courage to look again at what is taken for granted, grace to share these insights with others, vision to reveal the future already in being, we, we praise you. Because you form your word among us and in your great work embrace all human experience even death itself, inspiring our resurrection song, we praise, we praise you. you. Yours, Yours is, is the glory. glory. Amen. Amen. The Reverend Dr. Isaac Watts was a minister in the English Congregational Church and excelled as a hymn writer, theologian, and logician. He wrote approximately 750 hymns and earned the title Godfather of English Hymnody. Our own Common Praise Hymn Book of the Anglican Church of Canada includes 13 of his hymns, and you will get to sing along to six of them today. From an early age, Watts was skilled in both rhyme and whimsy. As a child, he was once asked why he had his eyes open during prayers, to which he responded, a little mouse, for want of stairs, ran up a rope to say its prayers. After being punished for this statement, he responded with, Oh, Father, Father, pity take, and I will no more verses make. One of the features of Watts' hymns that made his writing so popular is how singable they are, something we are sure you will notice today as you sing along. Watts wrote his hymns in a fashion that would support the way in which people would sing them. In his day, the method of hymn singing in church involved a leader reading out a line of the hymn and then the congregation singing it back. People didn't have hymn books, and many people couldn't read anyway. The result was that Watts made each line contain a complete thought in itself. This style of writing gave his hymns a concise, punchy, feel to them. In Graham Benyon's book, Isaac Watts, His Life and Thought, we learn the story of Watts' beginning as a hymn writer. On return from church one Sunday, Isaac complained to his father about the terrible hymns they had to sing. His dad wisely responded, if you don't like them that much, why don't you write something better yourself? So he did. In 1707, he published Hymns and Spiritual Songs, a three-volume collection of 222 hymns. 
It was the first real hymn book that the Christian church had encountered, and it transformed Christian worship. Songs such as When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, which we will sing at the end of today's festival, became familiar in independent churches throughout the land, and when a revised version of the book came out two years later, Give Me the Wings of Faith, which we will now sing, had been added to the collection under the heading The Example of Christ and the Saints, and it marks the path of those who follow Christ. legislating the use of the Anglican liturgy based on the Book of Common Prayer of the same year, the prayer book that remains the official prayer book in England today. Not everyone was happy with the Anglican liturgy and therefore chose not to attend Anglican services. They became known as nonconformists, who believed that the Anglican Church of the day had many inventions or traditions of men, 
which were leftovers from pre-Reformation times. There were a great many nonconformists, including about 2,000 clerics who left the Church of England. Isaac Watts' father, Isaac Watts Sr., was one such nonconformist who organized a nonconformist church, which landed him in prison on two occasions when Isaac Jr. was still an infant. Legend was that Watts would sit as a toddler with his mother on the prison steps while his father remained inside. His father was, of course, released, and Isaac's parents had seven more children. Isaac Jr. was a bright lad. He started learning Latin with his father at age four, Greek at age nine, French at 10, and Hebrew at 13. By the time he was six, he was already writing impressive poems that showed that he knew his theology. In a few moments, we will talk about how Isaac Watts paraphrased Psalms. But in addition to that, he also used other parts of scripture to inspire his poetry. The hymn we just sang was in part inspired by Luke 17, verse 5, that reads, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The next hymn, Come, Let Us Join Our Cheerful Songs, is another great example of scriptural inspiration and is one of the most widely known and highly esteemed of Watts' compositions. It is generally considered to be Watts' first hymn, written in 1696, in response to a challenge to produce something better than the psalms sung in the Southampton Chapel he attended. The hymn was inspired by the revelation to St. John, chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This hymn praises our Lord Jesus Christ for his ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. It was part of his publication, Hymns and Sacred Songs of 1707, and it will be sung now to the tune Nativity, also known as Epiphany, by Henry Lady, organist at Holy Trinity Church, Brompton, in the heart of London, and it is likely the most popular tune for this hymn.
is one that we are not going to sing today. As people who decry the decisions of shopping malls to begin playing Christmas music soon after Remembrance Day, we could not bring ourselves to suggest we include joy to the world in today's hymn festival, despite it being such a famous, outstanding, and glorious hymn. However, another seasonal and well-known hymn that is relatively timely is O God, Our Help in Ages Past. This hymn is based on a poem Watts wrote as a paraphrase of Psalm 90. The two hymns that follow this one are also based on psalms that Watts paraphrased. In nonconformist circles, psalm singing was very popular. In 1719, Watts published a book titled The Psalms of David Imitated in the Language of the New Testament. Paraphrasing psalms, as Watts did, was seen by some to be playing fast and loose with scripture. Watts's criticism of the praise of his day can be seen in the following quote. To see the dull indifference, the negligent and thoughtless air that sits upon the faces of a whole assembly while the psalm is on their lips might tempt even a charitable observer to suspect the fervency of inward religion. And tis much to be feared that the minds of most of the worshippers are absent or unconcerned. The problem for Watts was that if the church was going to sing only psalms, they were singing songs that were given under the Old Covenant. Watts's answer was to provide hymns that were gospel-focused and which expressed the thoughts and feelings of the Christians who were singing. In his psalms, Watts updated the original words by applying them to Jesus or to the Christian life. He said, where the psalmist describes religion by the fear of God, I have often joined faith and love to it. Where he speaks of the pardon of sin through the mercies of God, I have added the blood and merits of a savior. Watts stated that his grand design was to make David speak as a Christian. Initially, the poem began, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. But in 1738, John Wesley, in his hymnal, Psalms and Hymns, changed the first line of the text from Our God to O God. Watts walks us through the passages of time, acknowledging that God is timeless, but God will protect us and ultimately bring us into his eternity. The hymn tune, St. Anne, to which the text is most often sung, was composed by William Croft in 1708, while he was the organist of St. Anne's Church in Soho, hence the name of the tune. Later composers incorporated the tune in their own works, including Handel and even possibly J.S. Bach. And the hymn and words are also featured in Vaughan Williams's anthem, Lord, Thou Hast Been Our Refuge which uses both the Book of Common Prayer's words and those of Watts.
Church of Canada hymnal, we have five hymns in which Isaac Watts had paraphrased psalms, three of which we are singing today. We felt that this hymn festival needed to have at least some of his paraphrased psalms, as in total he paraphrased 138 out of the 150 psalms. Not a simple task. The 12 he did not paraphrase were felt by Watts to be unsuited for Christian usage. At the request of clergy and general worshippers alike, Watts wrote an essay titled A Short Essay Toward the Improvement of Psalmody, in which he explains why it is both appropriate and acceptable to alter the original words of the psalmist. He acknowledged that some may feel he was adding to or taking away from the words of the Book of God as prohibited by Revelation 22, but he maintained in great detail why this censure did not apply. Watts argued that the Psalms ought to be translated in such a manner as we have reason to believe David would have composed them if he had lived in our day, and therefore these poems are given as a pattern to be imitated in our composures rather than as the precise and invariable matter of our psalmody. Watts continued with confidence that, quote, should this sweet singer of Israel return from the dead into our age, he would not sing the words of his own psalms without considerable alteration, and were he now to transcribe them, he would make them speak the present circumstances of the church and in that, in the language of the New Testament." Unquote. Our next hymn, the second paraphrased psalm for today, From All That Dwell Below the Skies, is a paraphrase on Psalm 117, a psalm of only two verses written to promote the singing of God's praises around the world for his merciful kindness. This hymn first appeared in Watts's Psalms of David imitated in the language of the New Testament of 1719, and he considered this his last poetical collection, his greatest work. In the first verse, Watts translated, to use his own word, the original text to include praise for the Redeemer in addition to the Creator. It is a beautiful paraphrasing which paints for us a picture of world unity and the truth of God's goodness. The tune we are using today is Lasst uns erfreuen, which includes alleluias in the middle and end of each verse, which, of course, were not included in Watt's poem, so we hope you won't mind. The tune was harmonized and introduced to English Protestants by Ralph Vaughan Williams in the English Hymnal of 1906. These words are also often sung to the tunes known as Old Hundredths and Duke Street, the latter of which we have assigned to the hymn after this one. But we have decided for this hymn to stay with the tune married to the text in our current hymnal.
This song is a prayer for the reign of Solomon as king of Israel. And, of course, the role of king in the Old Testament is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So, Watts felt that instead of a prayer for Solomon, this song should be sung about Jesus, which led him to write one of his best-known hymns. Watts doesn't try to conceal his efforts to paraphrase psalms to make them about Jesus. And in fact, Jesus is the very first word of this hymn. In all, Watts invoked the name of Jesus a total of 18 times in his paraphrased psalms. And he refers to our Redeemer an additional 20 times and used the word Savior 42 more times than the psalmist does himself. Watts argued that in making these jumps to Jesus, he was not really being that radical. He wanted to write hymns that spoke explicitly of Jesus, his cross and resurrection. Hymns that spoke about forgiveness of sin and renewal by the Holy Spirit, and hymns that looked forward to Jesus' return and the new creation. Watts was also concerned that worshippers understood what they were singing, and so he avoided poetic turns of phrase that would be beyond the understanding of the person in the street, deliberately avoiding poetry that might be considered too highbrow. He also wanted to write hymns that spoke to our emotional feelings about our faith and allowed us to sing to God from the heart. Jesus Shall Reign is just such a hymn that achieves these goals. It is a joyful, optimistic offering of praise that would inspire the people of the day and continues to inspire us today. As Watts himself said, let us remember that the very power of singing was given to human nature chiefly for this purpose, that our own warmest affections of soul might break out into natural or divine melody, and that the tongue of the worshipper might express his own heart.
the time of his death on November 25, 1748, Watts had become the most revered believer in the land. His hymns, sermons, and other publications had made him a household name and led to a monument being constructed in Westminster Abbey. His true legacy, of course, is that we still sing his hymns today in praise of God. In addition to the Anglican Church of Canada, the Church of England continues to remember Watts annually on this day, and the Lutheran Church honors Watts in their calendar of saints as a day of commemoration. Online, naturally, there is an Isaac Watts fan club, a Facebook page, and a Twitter account. More than a poet, however, Watts was also a scholar of wide reputation, especially in his later years. He wrote nearly 30 theological treatises, essays on psychology, astronomy, and philosophy, three volumes of sermons, the first children's hymnal, and a text, textbook on logic that served as a standard work on the subject for generations. But back to his hymns. Another well-known hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, is often sung on Good Friday. While most of the text is Watts's original poetry, the first two lines of verse 2 are a paraphrase of chapter 6, verse 14 of St. Paul's Epistle to the Galatians. From the King James Version, which was, of course, the Bible in Watts's day, we read, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. It is curious that we typically only sing this hymn during Passiontide. As the Reverend Gordon Giles wrote, this is a shame because the cross of Christ lies at the heart of all our worship, and Isaac Watts never intended it to be solely a Passiontide hymn. He wrote it for a collection of 1707 and designated it as a communion hymn to be sung on any day during or immediately after the distribution of bread and wine. In the Eucharist, we always recall Christ's death, and the link between Christ's body and blood and the bread and wine is uppermost in our remembrance. Indeed, in our own Anglican Church of Canada hymn book, this hymn is not included in the section for Lent, but rather in the section called Praise. The tune is known as Rockingham and was written by Edward Miller, the son of a stonemason who ran away from home to become a musician and a flutist in Handel's orchestra. While many of us are familiar with mixing and matching texts with various hymn tunes, it is hard to imagine singing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross to any other tune.
God of majesty, whom saints and angels delight to worship in heaven, be with all your people who employ art and music for your praise, that with joy we on earth may bless your beauty and bring us to the fulfillment of that hope of perfection which will be ours as we stand before your unveiled glory. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God of the present moment, God who in Jesus stills the storm and soothes the frantic heart, bring hope and courage to all who wait or work in uncertainty. Bring hope that you will make them the equal of whatever lies ahead. Bring them courage to endure what cannot be avoided, for your will is health and wholeness. You are God, and we need you. Amen. Amen. The love that raised Jesus from the dead be at work within you. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. In, in the name, name of Christ, Christ. Amen. Amen. Alleluia, alleluia. alleluia.